Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Penalty Loop Podcast, a podcast about biathlon by Jordan Gottschalk from Penalty Loop and a regular guest, RJ Weiss from Biathlon Analytics. Hey, Jordan, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? Yeah, pretty good. Um, still finding a bit of a cold and the, the kids are fighting a bit of a cold, so not ideal, but uh, we'll we'll fight our way through it. And We did our, our self-test uh, mm. yesterday and that was uh, quite interesting, especially with my eight-year-old mm-hmm. who was uh, having a hard time with it, but we all we were all negative, so it's probably just a normal cold, which... You know, now that we're all taking our masks off after two years of uh, mm-hmm. protecting us and not just for COVID, but for other diseases as well. It's uh, back to the normal colds and flus. And of course, yeah, the, uh, the school hospital sicknesses, group, hospital group I work with here, um, you know, noted uh, in their in their weekly COVID email this week that the flu rates are up 40 percent this week. You know, not wow. surprising as, you know, everyone is is out and about so yeah, uh, yeah all the all the things we didn't have to deal with the last couple of years are coming back that's right yep. yeah and i and i wonder how um because i mean china uh the beijing olympics were like extreme in a sense of how they took precautions and testing everybody and i mm-hmm. um can imagine that you know when they went to contelati that that was already reduced and mm-hmm. then you add to that that a lot of the countries and i'm not sure about finland to be honest but um, it sounded like Norway and, and Sweden were uh, lifting their mask mandatory mm-hmm. rules and, and uh, other rules. So I think that that's well, we've seen the effects of that. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, yeah. um, I think other no, than COVID, I think there's going to be more athletes that are going to be struggling with colds. And Yeah, we've, uh, we haven't seen that many sore throats and colds pop up this year. But I imagine that uh, those last couple of weeks, we're going to see a few, I think, you know, uh, well, you know, I, I, we're going to talk about that eventually. Do you want to just uh, jump into it right now? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, uh, one of the things that we saw this past week was just um, seeing a little bit of uh, of COVID popping back up. We had mm-hmm. uh, how many was it? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six athletes. I think missed that I know of. Yeah. 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 Um, due to COVID and, and then just, uh, we had, so it was, uh, uh, Vitazzi and Windish and the Gao brothers and, uh, Adam Runnels and, and, uh, Sinopov from Bulgaria. Yep. Um, all had, all were, were COVID positive, uh, for Conti Latte. And then, uh, just, uh, this morning we learned that Pepe Fumbling and, uh, Anna Magnuson will be out for, uh, for this coming week. Um, uh, Fumbling tested positive and Magnuson, I guess was considered a close contact so she is going oh, okay. to be held out as well yep. oh no yeah so hopefully uh the rest of the swedish team remains healthy mm-hmm. but you know i think uh i think like you just mentioned with with uh people uh sort of relaxing a little bit um whether it's COVID or other things i think we're gonna start seeing a, a few more illnesses pop up hopefully everybody's doing okay yeah i was uh i was chatting with scott gow and and uh he said it was pretty bad but they're on the mint now and they're in Ottawa and uh or training so uh, hopefully it hasn't impacted their form too much and uh, hopefully we'll see them in action yeah and i, absolutely. I haven't read anything about Vitazzi or windish but uh or Sinopop for that matter but it sounds like Vitazzi and windish are both negative and so they'll be back um okay. again i don't know it sounds like they weren't too terribly sick so we'll see how they uh how they're doing 
hopefully yeah. you know they're able to get back and you know, hopefully it wasn't too bad and they're didn't lose too much of their too much of their form for these last couple of weeks right yeah well if they can come back like Lachipov did and uh yeah oh the other person escapes me now oh uh Preutz. they uh, uh well Preutz seemed to take a little bit longer to get back took a little bit longer, yeah. pretty much right into it back into it yep. but, uh, yeah Lachipov came came back pretty quick Actually, it's a it's a good transition point. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, one of the, the clouds that sort of hung over this week and, and will for for the rest of this season at least was uh, the the Russian invasion in, in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, of course, uh, the Ukrainian biathletes aren't there. And um, you know, the initially the IBU was going to allow the uh, Russian athletes and the, I believe the Belarusian athletes as well to compete as as neutral athletes, but. Um, right. the the Russian uh, Biathlon Federation and then uh, I believe the the Belarusians as well decided that um, they weren't okay with that and decided that their athletes weren't going to compete um, yeah and conti latte or for for the last two weeks of the season as well yeah and, and I mean it's we, we had some uh, Twitter discussions about that too it's so hard to on the one hand look at a nation, uh, and what's going on, and at the same time to see the individual athletes separately. But yeah, I'm just struggling with you know uh, biathlon being a sport with so many roots in in the military, and and many of the athletes either being like border patrol or lieutenants in the army, and and that kind of thing. It's just I don't know. It's uh, it it's tough for for all sides, and I want to you know try to stay positive even for uh individual russian athletes and belarusian athletes because i don't know them so i can can judge how they how they position themselves in this but um yeah i i think this is for the best because uh it, it just makes for really uncomfortable and awkward situations and 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 painful situations like there's no what no other way to put it and and i did you know, find the uh, the response of the Russian Federation to uh, to the IBU's decision that you know they're basically blaming the IBU for putting them in an awkward position, so they're going to pull out. And, and to me, that's a bit of a you know a very small scale version of what's happening on the big scale. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't know. I don't want to really waste more time and words on it because I mean th- the situation is horrible, and uh, and you know how it impacts biathlon is is minute to what's happening to the to the population and uh and the people of ukraine so absolutely uh, i you know i agree with you 100 percent. and 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 i was i had sort of a moment last week i wrote a piece on my website just just sort of trying to spill out everything i was feeling and it's hard it's it's a it's a it's an absolutely terrible situation um and and like you said um i don't know what any of the 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 Russian or Belarusian athletes. I don't know how they feel about all this, and, and you mm-hmm. want to think the best of, of them, and and but you know you especially you know you know that the Ukrainian athletes have been have been called into service, and just really hope that they're able to stay safe and that all this is able to to come to a close sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, um, I did read that there was supposedly one or two belarusian no sorry uh ukrainian athletes uh considering participating in autopay i saw that uh, as well yep. I, I i must admit i didn't recognize their names so i'm assuming they're not you know their top athletes but um yeah i mean 
kudos to them. Like, yeah, it's going to be tough for them. And uh, I'll bring this up too. Like I know that the Paralympics are not getting the attention um, that they deserve because of the situation in Ukraine. But uh, I, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see that uh, Ukraine mm-hmm. is is doing really well there. And but again, it it also creates some very uh very uncomfortable situations where you see ukrainian on the first spot and and right next to him is a russian that's you know second or third and it's uh and again we don't know the athletes so so the the russian may be very against the the war like i I can't judge a person like that but um yeah it's just it's hard to uh hard to ignore in uh, our day-to-day lives and we're pretty lucky that we're so far away but at the same time it's uh when you see what's happening it it gets really close and as you know i'm from europe originally and uh yeah it, it really hits home that way but i mean i'm i'm blessed in the situation that i'm in compared to what's happening there of course so absolutely i couldn't say any better than that um so you know, we'll be, we'll of course be thinking about them. And I know that uh, those two Ukrainian women who are going to be competing are, are going to have a lot of fans. Um, this yes. Week. Yeah, uh, I imagine sure. they're going to get some pretty loud cheers and, and they should um, like, uh, you know, uh, I think that, that, and I know, I know that myself, I will be, <clears throat> I'll be rooting for them as well. So, yeah. um, you know, I'll hope, hoping for the best and hope they can go out there and just uh, compete their hearts out. Yeah. Talking about cheers is probably a good step to uh, to move mm-hmm. on from this topic. Uh, wasn't it great to see a crowd in Kontiolahti? Yes. And, yes, it was. Uh, and what a wonderful crowd it was in the sense of uh, very impartial. They cheered for everybody. Of course, for the Finns, it was a little bit louder, with uh, especially with the shooting. But still, mm-hmm. many other athletes got the hey for, for yes. every hit that they had. So, uh, yeah, it was, was awesome. And uh, especially on the weekend with the crowd being on the track as well. I, I don't recall that for the Thursday and Friday races as much. Mm-hmm. It was probably, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people still working and stuff, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And, and yeah, I was noticing it, especially when, when uh, athletes were coming down the finishing stretch, didn't matter who it was, they were cheering for everybody. Yeah. Uh, like you said, they were louder for the fence, but uh, they were given, uh, they were giving love to, to all the athletes. One of the things I love about Contiolati is it seems like such an intimate stadium. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you look at it and, and it, it looks like it's just uh, some, you know, little local country track. You know, it's just uh, it's just very small. And but but the fans were were really, um, were really getting into it. I I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and they have a big event coming up too. I think in um, so not this weekend, but the weekend after, they have the uh, biathlon. Is it the World Masters of the Biathlon Masters? I'm not sure, but. Uh, a, a huge event that they ho- they host every year and uh, brings out all the uh, the retired athletes and uh, just for a weekend of fun. But apparently the crowd is huge as well. And uh, oh, that'll be fun. Nice, nice. Uh, like you said, it's a nice stadium for that as well. Yeah. Oh, that'd be magnificent. Yeah. And I haven't really. Do, did you know for sh- do you know for sure if uh, Autopay is allowing uh, spectators as well or? I believe they are. Um, okay. uh, but I, I, they, cause I saw a, I was briefly looking at the, the website for the event and they were advertising how to get to the, the, um, to the, the location. So, um, oh, okay. I imagine that's because they want people to come and come check it out. So, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I have read for Oslo that it's already, uh, decided mm-hmm. that they're, and they, they lifted their, most of their restrictions. So that makes sense. 
Yeah. And that, that should be a, a great crowd. Yes. Yeah. And especially, uh, you know, finally after two mm-hmm. years of uh, cancellations, we'll be mm-hmm. back there. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure the yeah. crowd will be going nuts. Yeah. Out of control. <laughs> yeah. One thing I noticed in uh, Contilati, and, and I don't really have any news on it or, or information on it, but I noticed that the Chinese athletes are not there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the situation in uh, Ukraine right now, or if it's uh, just because they decided not to go back to Europe for three three weeks, basically, after the Olympics. But uh, it's too bad to, uh, to not see them there, because uh, I know they weren't able to compete in Europe last season at all. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was nice to see them back, but uh, yeah, I noticed I noticed they weren't there. So yeah, I don't you, know if you read anything about it, but no, I mean you feel for the athletes. I, I don't have any information about that as well, but um, you know it would have been nice for them to have a few more weeks of competition. They put a lot of time into it, and it wasn't just for the Olympics. You know, these, these they were trying to. We talked about this last uh, last podcast, but mm-hmm. talking about trying to build that that biathlon culture, and that's how you do it is by uh, by competing and. Uh, you know, hopefully this is a, you know, they're, they're just shutting it down for the season. Then we'll be back, back full strength for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, and, and yeah, they, they've seemed to have made some progress and, mm-hmm. uh, if they can continue that, we might see a few surprises mm-hmm. in the top tens. I think they're capable Absolutely. of, uh, of doing that if they continue their, uh, their, uh, improvements. Yeah. By and large, they shoot well. Um, yeah. and, and oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, so they they've got that down, and they we know they've got good coaching. So yeah, uh, could could pop up there a little bit in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Someone uh, someone else not racing, Kadurish. Um, mm-hmm. I I did not hear anything about her um, other than seeing that she didn't compete in the World Cup nor the uh, the IBU Cup last weekend, uh, and I couldn't find anything until there was a tweet I believe yesterday that mm-hmm. uh, she won't be um racing this season anymore and uh my understanding is that they're kind of seeing how she uh gets back to her normal self and uh, if there's any i guess damage done by what happened but uh yeah Yeah, i i was just gonna add on to that that you know um in the translation it says cardiovascular collapse and mm-hmm. as a doctor i have no idea what that means it could be anything <laughs> from from dehydration to cardiovascular arrest um right obviously you know we can rule out the extremes but so it's somewhere in the middle but i you know based on what they're saying i have no idea you know what what uh um really happened and what's going on but clearly if she's taking the rest of the year off then they're still evaluating for for something and Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, long-term health is is going to be okay, and I would, you know, just love it if we could see her back on, on oh, uh, for sure racing yeah. next year. Yeah, because I, if I remember correctly, she's early thirties already, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She's getting so, towards the end anyway. Yeah, I hope this doesn't uh, make her retire earlier than she would she would like. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, not a lot of information on her. But uh, I hope she recovers and that we'll see her back next season. Yeah. Well, and, and speaking of recovery, <clears throat> seems like we have a lot of really tired athletes out there. Yeah, no kidding. It just seemed like a, a lot of a lot of our our athletes were were pretty exhausted by the time they were making it to their press conferences. And I don't know if this is the uh, just the the end of the year, or you know, it was coming out of you know a couple of of weeks of really hard racing in China. But um, I think we're we're really seeing them 
uh, dragging a little bit here towards the towards the close of the season. Yeah, it's probably a combination. Like I do remember in previous years that that athletes are getting really tired at the end, but uh, with the whole time difference and the mm-hmm. traveling and stuff, I can to China. I can see that that's probably even worse this year. And uh, yeah, I I just picked up on a few. Like Vera was basically when she was asked questions in the press conference, she was basically staring at the the uh, the guy asking questions and she's like, sorry, what you, I'm just really tired. And then, um, um, uh, big smile Eckhoff was, was yes. kind of the same. Like she was kind of giggling and, and not, it's almost like she was, she had a hard time paying attention to the, the question and seemed to kind of be mumbling here and there. But, uh, and you know, it's, we forget that they're never, well, hardly ever, able to answer in their own language right so uh mm-hmm. i think there's a few athletes here and there that are not comfortable in english so they have a translator but uh i mean kudos for beer and Ekhoff and, and many of the other athletes to uh to speak in english but that is a bit harder and especially when you're where when you're feeling exhausted that just uh becomes a little harder so oh yeah yeah nobody wants to hear me try to speak in any other language Right. Uh, so I can't, I especially can't imagine trying to do it at the end of a, a race, at the end of a very long season after all the traveling they've done. I mean, it's just the, they just got to be totally, totally wiped. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to no, the end of the season. Sure. They'll sweep for, they'll sleep for a week. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And I, I don't know, uh, it, from what I've read here and there on Instagram and, uh, Twitter, it seems like most of them just, uh, after China, the weekend off, they, they kind of took that as a break to catch up with their family and, and, yeah. uh, just kind of mm-hmm. mostly relax. Uh, you know, the Canadian team actually flew back to Canada, um, for, the, for a little break. And, and I'm sure a lot of, uh, other athletes did that as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of, you know, a lot of them have built up to the Olympics and, and then it's mm-hmm. almost like, oh yeah, we have three, three events <laughs> left, <laughs> which, you know, you can't blame them for, uh for for focusing on the olympics in a year like this so yeah well and uh well you know it also it's not like the the overall crystal globe races are exactly close so it's not like you know they're coming back and and having that to focus on too so um you really have to find your own motivation there you know to you know be be looking for your own uh your Mm -hmm. personal achievements i guess there there are a couple of the the discipline globes are are still up for grabs but um yeah well uh hopefully they are they're able to i don't know what i would do right i would i would be exhausted i would just be at this point just trying to see whatever i got left in the tank yeah and i mean i think a lot of people that are like non-biathlons fans they they probably don't realize how uh how exhausting a season like this is where you have four or five races back to back to back on a Mm -hmm. weekend and then you you know you have to do your traveling and um settle in in a new environment and then you know you have mm-hmm. another three four races and a lot of these top athletes when they're also on the the relays it's uh yep. sometimes even more so it's uh yeah. yeah it's pretty impressive how long they uh they do it for and and uh that they can still find the energy to uh, compete through the end of the season so mm-hmm. did you want to go through the race a little bit and, and talk about what stood out uh absolutely Yodley! overview of the week probably won't have to go through all the details as mm-hmm. i'm assuming that most people listen to this uh, have seen the actual races so uh we'll leave that to to other podcasts but um 
Let's start with the women's relay. Yes. So uh, uh, the the women's relay uh, had a little bit of uh, extra drama in it <laughs> that we mm -hmm. don't normally see. Um, uh, you know, we had, uh, of course, Norway winning the relay, but then the the big thing coming out of the women's relay was the was Sweden winning the 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 discipline uh, crystal right. globe. I mean, it had uh, a pretty big. They needed. I can't remember what all the details were, but they needed to finish high, and, and France needed to finish pretty close to the bottom for it to happen. Right. Um, and uh, well, what happened was uh, France got disqualified. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Sweden came in second and, and won the globe. Yeah, and and I mean, well deserved. I I you know, it's not the way I'm sure they wanted to win, and and I much rather had seen a battle between the two nations and see you know have the best come out on top, but. Um, um, despite the fact that France would have deserved it too, I think Sweden has shown a lot of depth in their team. Like they've mm -hmm. obviously had uh, the Obergs, but uh, they kind of mixed with Burson and uh, uh, Person and mm -hmm. uh, Anna Magnussen, and then they they still have Stina Nilsson that you know we'll we'll get on on her topic a little later. But uh, they just have a lot of depth, and uh, and you know good for them for for winning this globe and. Unfortunately for France, that it had to end this way. Um, we'll we'll get into that a little bit more uh, mm -hmm. later in the podcast. But um, rules are rules, I suppose. And uh, yep. yeah, it's uh, unfortunate, but it happens. Yeah, totally agree. Sweden um, very deserving, especially coming off of uh, what they did in in the Olympics. And I know that doesn't count for the. Um, doesn't count for the 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 points, right? But uh, mm -hmm. you know, we we know that they uh, they're very, like you said, very deserving, yeah. um, and such a deep team, and and so many of them are still so young that uh, right. they're going to have this team together for a few years. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them, um, if not defending their Crystal Globe next year, to at least be in the, the the top couple of teams there. Right, and let's not forget to mention Norway, who actually won the race. Yeah, um, <laughs> and also in a in a bit of a different starting order uh with royce limp yes. uh starting mm -hmm. off and tan revolt i believe was the anchor the leg. Close. yes and uh how cool was that by the way that tangible the last time we see her race she was trying to track down elvira yeah. um right and then and then she had her her collapse and uh comes out and she's matched up against elvira again uh both as their respective anchors and you could just see it on her face. The Tangerold was not going to, not going to lose that, yeah. right? She yeah. she had all the fight in the world, and and she looked great. I was really really happy to see her out there racing again, and mm -hmm. and you know I, I couldn't have been happier for. Her. Absolutely, yeah. And talking about changing of orders, mm -hmm. um, I think we may have mentioned it before, or at least on discuss it on Twitter a little bit, where a lot of people were wondering why Italy was so. Um, um, set on sticking with you know yes. Patazzi and beer to start and then hoping that uh Kamola and um is it Filippo? Yeah, Filippo. Filippo. Yep. yeah uh that they would be able to uh to bring it home and you know I obviously don't know what the uh the details are on those selections but uh many people wondered if why they were doing it that way because obviously it wasn't bringing them uh major successes so uh, yeah, it was was great to see that they changed it up, and uh, you know, not to say that it's always going to pay out for them, but this time it did with a third place. So 
Um, and Vitosu was actually shot very well, even in the yeah. in the closing leg instead of leading off. So yeah, yeah. It turns out she can do it in other legs also. Yeah. So uh, it, it it was it was interesting to see because Norway sort of took the the Italy uh, pattern right, and they put their their top two in the first two legs, and uh, Italy switched it up. <laughs> right. Worked worked out for both of them. Yeah, and, and um, I think it was uh, biathlon stats on Twitter who mentioned that maybe it was to uh, to switch it up specifically for Vitazzi. And, you know, we don't know if that's the case, um, mm-hmm. uh, but it seemed to work for her. So hopefully that will have a positive impact on her on, uh, on individual races as well. Yeah, absolutely. And just a quick shout out. I, I actually thought San Filippo had a very good leg. Um, mm-hmm. We don't need to get into all the details, but she um that she had a very disappointing leg for for italy in the olympics but um she actually closed the gap a few seconds um right and yeah, it was it was very successful and i'm happy for mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and then uh germany another fourth fourth place <laughs> so uh it's one of those you know it's nice to be close but at the same time it's uh not quite yeah, close enough time. for for podium and that yeah. uh and we saw that in the men's relay as well, where Germany mm-hmm. got another fourth position. So, uh, <laughs> poor guys. Yeah, I was I was happy to see uh, Eric Lesser do well in his in his first leg. He mm-hmm. um, sounded quite disappointed in uh, in his podcast about the uh, the relay leg he did in in China. So uh, it's nice to see him closer to the to the front again. And then uh, also well, here Norway. Another win, and I and I must admit, without the Bow Brothers, I mm-hmm. wasn't uh, very confident that they would. But uh, yeah, it, you you take probably the best two out, or at least uh, the best and maybe the third best, and mm-hmm. uh, and they still managed to pull it off. So oh, I know. Talk about well, and, that. And this was a this was a wild race, right? I mean, it seemed like uh, everybody was still in it until very late. I think at the at the last exchange, I think the top four were all within two seconds. Right. So yeah, um, it was a great race. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was tense the entire way. Nobody was ever able to really to, to pull away. Um, and, uh, Christensen, I guess is just has no nerves. This is two races in a row where he's really slammed the door and, and won the relay for Norway. I know. Yeah. So, and it's not like he was racing against nobody. I mean, he was, he had, QFM and Samuelson that he yeah. that where he was up against. I mean, those are that's those are tough tough dudes. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it was uh, it was impressive and 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 great to watch for sure. Yeah, yeah it, it really fun. was. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, uh, we we maybe we'll mention them a little bit later, but uh, Bakken and 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 Philip Anderson. Um, it was sort of a, a preview of their really good week that they had with those first two legs. Yeah. it's... Uh, it just keeps reminding me of uh, the speed skating situation in Holland where, mm-hmm. you know, probably the 10th qualified Dutch skater could probably beat um, many top skaters of other nations. And, you know, the, the fact that Dale, who was, you know, in, I believe in the top three in the global standings last year or, or a little bit lower. Top five at least, but. Top five, he yeah. Was right and now there. he's in the IBU Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then you see these Bucken and Anderson, and then Anderson's brother, you know, mm-hmm. was on the in the races as well, and and uh, I think he's still lacking some speed, but 
yeah, it just uh, doesn't really yeah. seem to end. It's just not fair. Can you <laughs> yeah. look at, right, right? You can see you've got, you know, just the top three of that relay are all under 24. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. Maybe one of them can uh, move to Canada and another one can move to the United States. And Well, we talked on. about uh, uh, <laughs> one, one of them maybe having a connection with uh, China, right? So yeah. Maybe yeah. they could... Uh, yeah. <laughs> bring some but you know what the fact that the top four was within like 15 seconds like can't yeah. ask for more on a on a race like that so no, that was, was great it was, uh, those two relays fun way to start the weekend yeah and the north americans did uh, did pretty good too like eighth for canada and tenth mm -hmm. for for us so uh yeah i think the the american women were all seventh or eighth or so in the women's relay too so um it's uh it's nice to see yeah. It, it's just nice. What I like is, you know, I I don't mean to sound harsh, but nobody expects them to win. But I yeah. still think that there's a lot of countries now participating that are like, you know, if they have a really good day mm -hmm. um, and everything works for them, they're going to challenge us. And I, and I like that. Like, and yeah, it's not going to work out every every race, but uh, just the fact mm -hmm. that they're they're sort of getting in the loop as some you know sort of outside contenders is uh it's just really good to see i'm glad you mentioned that because when i when i try to make my predictions before races you know i, I will look at all the different teams and go through all the legs and and try to think you know and try to come up with ways that they could come up to a top five and i remember this week i was just looking through the teams and i was like nine or ten teams deep when i was still like well you know if uh if this and this goes right they could be in the top five um mm -hmm. It just feels like there there are a lot of teams that can be competitive, and you know this week we saw was it the the Austrian men, um, mm -hmm. yeah, come all the way up to the fifth, fifth position, yeah, and I think that was probably their best their best finish in, in a couple of years, but it was nice to see, you know, mm -hmm. and for sure, uh, hopefully you know hopefully this is something that continues going forward. We just talked about the young women on the Swedish team and the young men on the Norwegian team, but uh, you know hopefully we're going to see some of these other you know less. Traditional teams are, you know, the not not those top four usual powers start to to you know chip away a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, and it, and it just shows you the uh, and we hear a lot from the athletes about that that just the competitive level is uh, is getting closer and it's getting higher. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, no, it's nice to see some other nations doing well. Yeah, not to take anything away from Forcad or or Bjorndalen, oh, but no, for you sure. Know, but those guys were amazing. But I I think that uh, I think we were less likely to see those kinds of long term strings of success, just because I think there's just going to be more depth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Having said that, now we're going to watch one of these. We're going to watch Elvira win like seven Crystal Globes or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not not impossible. No, uh, she might be uh, battling with Vogt in uh, in a couple of seasons. So. Oh, I know, and and you know who else uh people who knows, we don't know who else about. but uh, yeah um, um so speaking of of elvira her strength being the the sprint races um in the sprint we we had what herman win denise herman she she got yeah. her second win and in, in a couple of weeks here um and uh terrell ekoff continued showing off her her good form getting second and then of course shooting the, well yeah exactly the talk of the day was was tina nilsson yeah um coming up and getting her first podium yeah, great to see. I mean, uh, you know, she. Um, we'll get into the, you know, the hype about her uh, yeah. a little later on, but um, that's not on her. And I think, if anything, it just mm -hmm. adds a lot of pressure to uh, 
to her and and to do well and to prove that she uh, she made the right decision and to uh, to get a you know a third spot is uh, is well deserved and and great to see for her. Absolutely. Well, and this race was wildly close, right? Because we had it seemed like for a stretch there that everybody, all the women that were coming through, were gonna were gonna be near the top, and I think the the top four were separated by seven seconds. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. It was it was Hannah uh, Oberg who was in in fourth. By the way, I didn't didn't mention that, but um, and then and then uh, Vogt had her sixth place, which is her best World Cup finish, and Elvira in seventh. It was it was a fun race, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, are we worried about Roisland? I don't know. Probably just, not nah. yet. Uh, yeah. You know, and and it, I don't mean it in the sense of of her her glow, but uh, oh, of course, her form for like, the the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. It, you know, if you take away one miss, I mean, she's right there in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she had she had two. Uh, she and Elvira both had two actually. Yeah. Um, and and she was still one of the one of the the top fastest women. So we'll see. It was definitely not. It was what her her quote unquote worst weekend of the of the season. I, I put that in quotes because. I think every other athlete would love to have a weekend like this, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm not my, I'm not hitting the panic button. I'm definitely, uh, I'm locating it. We'll put it that way. Right. 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 Okay. Uh, want to move to the men's sprint? Yes. Yeah. Another, uh, pretty dominant race by uh, QFM. Oh my word. Just, it's, uh, it, it's just his season. He's just yeah. so good. Every time I think that we might see him slip or take a step back and he just proves once again that he is, he's the class of the season. He's the best of the year. Yeah. Yeah. You give him a reason to, uh, to maybe slow down a little bit. Like you couldn't blame him if he would drop a little bit after the Olympics, but no, he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's right up there and no, no shooting mistakes and, <laughs> I know. you know, he's back at the top. So, um, and it was, it was one of the biggest, I, I, looked at it earlier, but it was one of the biggest sprint race wins of the season. I think it was the second biggest in terms Mm of uh, time between first and second place. Right. Oh, man. he's. But talk about second place. Uh, Yes. Is it Philip Philip Fjeld Anderson? Mm -hmm. No no shooting mistakes either and only less than 20 seconds behind QFM. So uh, great race for him. Yeah. And then Kuhn. Uh, who who won one sprint earlier in the season? Mm-hmm. Back on the on the podium, great to see. Absolutely. I wonder if he. I think he also had COVID. I wonder if he didn't just take a little while to get his legs back underneath him. Mm, yeah, yeah, because his Olympics weren't where you would would hope to nope. be either. But uh, good to yep. see him back. And speaking of being back, uh, Jacqueline right. started uh, started looking good during the sprint. He was. Two uh, two misses in the the prone shooting, but ended up in sixth. Yeah, I think he was the fastest man on the day. It'd be nice to uh, see a bit of a push yes. from him towards uh, QFM, even though you know I think everybody knows that unless Fiomaye uh, can't participate for some reason, um, yeah, he, he's not going to give up the globe. But yeah. <laughs> um, it'd be nice if there's at least you know a bit of a challenge where he still has to fight for it. So. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. happy to see uh, Simon Ader in tenth. Yes, uh, yep. amazing at at his age and and what with, with what he's been going through his whole whole career mm-hmm. uh, to be in the top ten again with 
you know, no mistakes in shooting and uh, Eric Lesser with one mistake, but uh, in 12 spots. So we talked about him a little bit that he uh, seems to get more in, in, uh, in good form towards the end of the season, his last, his last couple of races. So, uh, mm-hmm. and Legride still struggling on the, on the range That's surprisingly, the but uh, craziest thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't. I, I, just, I mean, his key speed's there. He's uh, it is. He's fast, but yeah, it's just not uh, just not one too many from... mistakes. Two too many mistakes every every race out. It seems like. Yeah. Well, well and then we had the the pursuit races, uh, in the women's pursuit. Tira Lockoff, she made her triumphant return. Right. She uh, won again for the first time in about a year. She made it a little tight at the end there with two misses. Yeah. Yes, but, she certainly uh, did. I, that was. The maximum number of misses she could have. <laughs> yes, and I I don't know about you, but the uh, the commentators on the, on my stream were just saying, oh, she can she could probably deal with two misses, and then she still would be fine. And then that's exactly what she shot. So I know anything anything more than that would have been would have been danger danger. But now she yeah. did it. We also had a lot of like really good comeback races, right? I mean, we had uh, we were coming back went from seventeenth all the way to second. Yeah, uh, helps when you go you know twenty for twenty. Right. Um, and you had uh, um, uh, Poitza came back from 32nd all the way to 8th. And yeah. uh, Jaslovo from 20th to 7th. And Lena Hackey from 37th to 16th. It was pretty good. Absolutely. And uh, I, I thought uh, Hackley, Hackey sorry, stood out to me uh, this weekend. Just seemed to have, have good races and, and kind of be in the mix. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was nice to see that. Certainly was. I, I had been actually researching her just before the weekend because I kind of liked the way that she was looking in the Olympics. Um, she actually mm. had a pretty good, uh, she actually wasn't amazing, but it was, you know, sort of a better than expected performance in the Olympics. So um, yeah. she might be someone just to keep in mind the next couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, Nilsson not able yeah. to repeat the, uh, the good shooting, which of no. course is harder with four. Uh, stages on the on the range and uh yep. she went from third to 20th and uh, unfortunately uh mary ader from finland for her home yeah. crowd, she had ninth in the in the sprint but uh wasn't able to uh to be in that range when she uh she ended 42nd in the end with four misses on her last shooting so unfortunate for her but uh yeah you can't can't hope to do well with seven misses out of 20. So. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was just a little bit, a little bit too much. Yeah. Roysland uh, kind of in the mix. Uh, yeah. Just sort of, 15, 16 seconds behind the podium. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Okay. Not great. Which yeah. is funny. Cause like I said, for, for most women, that would be a terrific race, but yeah, for her this season, that's just sort of, eh, it's okay. Yeah, I think for Roisland, it's a lot about, you know, as long as she's close to or just a little mm-hmm. ahead of Elvira, then she doesn't have too much to worry about for the globe. So, yeah, she's she has so many great races this year. She doesn't need to nah. really turn herself inside out trying to, to eke out one extra position. Yeah. No, and, and what you were just saying about Roisland ap- applies to Elvira too, where, you know, you look at ninth position and you're like, oh, that's disappointing. But at the same time, you know, f- for someone her age, it's really come on the scene this season. Um, you know, ninth ninth spot is is a great result. So, oh, it is. It, it, it speaks a lot to 
how accustomed we've gotten to seeing her in the top right. 10. Yeah, that exactly. ninth place is you just don't blink your eye at it. Yeah. And then the men, uh, we had probably the least surprising result of the season with uh, QFM winning for yeah. the sixth straight pursuit, which is sort of unbelievable. Um, and But then we, we had some some fun guys finishing out the rest of the podium with Eric Leiser and, and Lucas Hofer. I was really happy to see those guys. And what fun to see them sprint for the finish. And you uh-huh. know, I think it was like 10 main years to go where Hofer misplaced his pole and basically yes. had to give up the sprint. And I don't think he would have been able to uh, to pass Lasser. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, feel good story for, for both Lasser and Hofer. Uh, I know. With Hofer just... having such a horrible start of the season and finally uh, coming back to uh, <laughs> to his higher levels and uh you know lesser we we know the story of him retiring at the end of the season so just to see him on that podium was was awesome really was uh you know i I think that um i I, you know i was cheering for them both and then to have them both you know going going uh head to head down the the finishing stretch was was a lot of fun yeah um like you said you know it's it was unfortunate that that hofer misplaced his pole but um i you know it was it was just it was it was fun to see those two men back in it Absolutely. And then some uh, some people who did quite well and, and actually was happy to see that Legright showed a little bit more of uh, what we've seen from him last year with the shooting with only two misses out of 20. And he went from the mm-hmm. 22nd place to sixth. And then Christensen did really well with no misses, went to uh, to fifth spot. And um, what else yeah, did all, we see? All four Norwegians in a row there. Yeah. With the the two young guys, were stayed in the top ten, and then Christensen yeah. and Lagerd uh, joined them. So, so yeah, kind of interesting. And it was really nice to see, uh, and, and we talked about this before, where you know athletes that um, that just have a great performance, even if they're not in the top five or top ten. Mm-hmm. I noticed that uh, Ranta from Finland, mm-hmm. obviously for yep. his home crowd, he only had one miss and and came came across the line in thirty eighth after starting it as 59th and you could just see him like the excitement on his face and pumping his, his fist. And uh, that was so great to see. And, and, you know, the crowd was, you know, giving its best for him. So that was awesome. Well, it was funny. So I, I missed this race. I, I watched it later and um, I was sort of doing two things at once when I was watching it at, you know, as, as they're coming across the finish line. And when you get to, you know, I wasn't totally paying attention to who was finishing by that point. But all mm-hmm. of a sudden, I heard the crowd just going crazy. I was like, "What is happening?" Um, so I, I looked up and I saw him, and I was like, "Man, he just looked so happy." And I, I like seeing people happy with a thirty-eighth place finish. You know, absolutely. Just, you know, you you clearly know how much that meant to him. Yes, and and I forgot the the athlete, but there was somebody pretty close before him who had the same like he. You know, you see mm-hmm. everybody kind of struggling at the end and, and just happy to be across the finish line. And it was another guy who was kind of super excited, cheering or yelling out. And uh, I, like I said, I forgot who it was. But yeah, it's nice to see those guys uh, who just know that they had a great performance, regardless of the uh, position that they're in. So, mm-hmm. okay, shall we move on to the dice roll and uh, see who we're going to talk about? Let's see what we got. We got here. Oh, number one. Oh, <laughs> I think we're both a little disappointed with that. Eh? Yeah, how much more is there to say? They're both yeah. amazing. Yeah, you know, um, 
here, I'll tell you this. So uh, I, I maybe you have the numbers on this, but I was looking at uh, QFM's uh, his finishes this season, and and um, I, I'm going to pull it back up because I wrote it down. Um, he has, I mean, significantly more wins this season than he had the rest of his career combined. Um, so he's, yeah, you know. For me, I've just sort of gotten over the fact that that he is having a great season, but sometimes it's nice just to put it in perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this season, so he had six wins total prior to the season, and he has nine this year. Um, he's won nine of the twenty-one races or that have been run this year, and so he's what run one. He's got what forty-two point eight percent win wow. rate. That's including the Olympics. That's just wow. nuts. I mean, yeah. who does that? Um, and you know, it was obviously a different type of year with the Olympics, and we've talked about that a lot. But hey, he still went out there and and did that. He won six straight pursuit races in a row. Um, it just it's dominance. Uh, yeah, plain and simple. Absolutely. And and, and, and uh, you were talking earlier how it's getting a lot harder in the current yeah. times to uh, to be as dominant as as uh, Fourcad or Bjorn Dahlen, but. Uh, I don't know if he if if this is not an an outlier, like we mm-hmm. saw it last year with with Akoff, right? Where she's always been yeah. good. Last year, just everything seemed to click and work, and um, she she sort of peaked, and uh, and unfortunately this year she couldn't really repeat it. But uh, I'm I'm really anxious, or sorry, not anxious, eager to see uh, if if uh, Fiona if it's just one of those peak years where everything just works or if he can keep this up and, uh, and be, be one of the more dominant races in the next couple of seasons. I, I completely agree. And especially if, if uh, JT Bo is able to come back at, at full strength and focus on the, the crystal globe and Jacqueline is able to race like he did at the beginning of the season. And uh, if Samuelson can take the next step forward and Legred come back, can come back to where he was. I mean, it could be a, a very fun, I mean, I could, I could, easily argue for you know five different men to compete for the overall next year which would be oh, for sure yeah very different than we've had recently absolutely yeah no that would be uh it's going to be a lot of fun so yeah. uh yeah i guess we'll leave yeah. it at that i think yeah dominance his dominance was there at the olympics and basically the whole season and he just continues yeah. that so just very yeah. impressive yeah and you could sort of say the same thing for Iceland. Like absolutely yeah great start to finish and and it, it is she, this is not an aberration. She's been good before, but this is the first time she's put it together from opening race to this point of the season. And yeah, because I mean, she had her. Sorry, yeah, she had her peak moments at at uh, World Championships and, uh, mm-hmm. and at the Olympics, so more individual events. But yeah, it's uh, and you know we'll have to see how the last couple of weeks go. Um, if if Contiolati was just a bit of a outlier or if she uh, is going to struggle the last couple of weeks but uh, yeah overall the whole season has just been so impressive and um, yeah it's hard to see things change in the standings for her so yeah absolutely and the only thing I think that would keep her from being competitive next year would be retirement right yeah yeah we haven't heard anything about that hey because JT 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 Bo has uh already announced that he's going to be in uh, in Italy in four years. So mm-hmm. no such yep. news from uh, from the women's side. Absolutely. So, 
Shall we move on to the power rankings? Sounds good. Yodely. The power rankings. Okay, so let's jump into the power rankings. Okay. So I did something a little bit different again this week. <laughs> I actually took out everybody who's not racing. So um, we talked earlier about uh, with the, the war in Ukraine, uh, the Russians and the Belarusians are not there, and they made up a surprisingly large amount of uh, the members of the power rankings. Because they're not racing uh, and they won't be the rest of the season, I just took them out. Um, same thing with uh, JT Bo uh, announcing that mm -hmm. he isn't racing. And with Tari Bo, I didn't know if he was going to be back either. Uh, looks like he is. But anyway, I, I took him out as well because at the time when I did it, I just didn't know what their status was. So okay. um, just took him out. Yep. Uh, so, so you'll notice that there's a lot of change this week. Um, more so than usual. Okay. So, so to just to remind people, maybe, so if yeah. I recall correctly, your power rankings are really about if there was a race right now, who mm -hmm. you would expect to win, right? Exactly. If there was yeah. a race right now, who I would expect to win would be my number one slot. If that right. person were out of the race, then you'd go to the number two person as the favorite and so gotcha. on and so forth. Yep. Okay. All right. So let's start with the men. I'm just going to run through them and then we can talk about whoever stands out to you. Okay. Yeah. So number one, surprising to nobody, I have Quentin Fionmaier. Uh, he has been our number one for a long time and will continue to be so uh, for the sort of foreseeable future, I imagine. Um, number two, I had Christensen uh, making a, a big jump up, uh, then followed by Jacqueline. Number four was Samuelson. Uh, number five, Eric Lacer. Number six, Benedict Dole. Seven, Ponsoloma. Eight, Kuhn. Nine, uh, Lagreed, and ten, Lucas Hofer, making his return to the rankings for the first time this season. So, first off, anybody stand out to you that uh, that you wanted to, to chat about? Um, well, I think Christensen uh, in second spot. I I I think the, what he's shown in the last couple of races is very impressive. So well deserved to be mm -hmm. there, and yeah. uh, that hopefully was what, he can continue it. That was what stood out to me, and and he showed a lot early in the season as well. Um, he had a little bit of dip there early part of the second trimester, but I especially, and, and I included for him, I, I was thinking about his relay performances as well. Um, just how, how critical he's been. So, uh, right. you know, would not surprise me at all to see him in the, on the podium, the, the last next couple of weekends. Oh, and the other person that, uh, stands out to me a little bit in the sense that he's a bit higher than where I would put him mm -hmm. is uh, Sebastian Samuelson. Mm. Just. You know, because um, he didn't seem to have a great weekend. Um, what was he? 24 and 5th. Well, I guess 5th is still pretty darn good. But uh, he just didn't didn't seem to be in it. And then maybe he's going through a little bit of uh, um, what we talked about earlier with Elvira, that you're so used to seeing him in the top three that, mm -hmm. you know, when he when he's not in the top three, you you automatically assume that he's having a, a bad bad day and and that's not fair for sure but uh yeah i was i was just not seeing much of him this weekend that's yeah totally fair and actually i i'll be honest when i put him in there i was doubting myself doing it and i didn't know if i was hmm. doing it just because of the name or if it was really i had seen enough from him recently to justify it um and and again to what you well, what we're discussing just now is I can yeah. totally see him become fourth in the next race. So in that sense, yeah. he's totally in the right spot. But yeah, yeah. it was just uh, 
just uh, something that stood out to me. Yeah, he's he's sort of he's he's had some better finishes recently than I remembered, but he also at no point did I feel like he was a threat in those races. Right. Yeah. Sort of maybe he surged at the end, but yeah. Yeah. No, unlesser, you know, um I totally can see him do really well um in the last couple of races. I I think his form is there, his shooting is there, uh, his drive, which was always there, is if possible, even a bit higher with with his retirement looming. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I could totally see see him as being one of the challengers. You know, it, it was interesting looking back at his recent races. He um, he did really well in in Oberhof and then Rupolding, and then we didn't see him at all in the Olympics. Where he had the one individual race, and then he won the the mass start for the reserves. But then he comes back out and goes twelfth and second. And I didn't realize that his second place that was his best finish in like six years oh wow yeah so you know i would i would love for him to go out with the win like honestly that would that looking at what i would love to see the last two weeks i would love to see him get one more uh just before for he goes. sure yeah that would be wonderful and i like uh like right in that list as well um i i really like his key speed is there we saw some signs of better shooting in the last race so hopefully he can uh finish the season at the level that he was last year and uh, mm-hmm. show that he, he hasn't lost it. Yeah. Maybe some good performances back in Oslo. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, and let's be fair. Like I, I don't have the names on the top of my, my head, but um, a lot of athletes come on the scene, do really great. And then the next year it's just a little less, just, you know, he was saying in a, in an interview on, um, uh, it's like the penalty loop in the German version, basically. Yes. Anyway, yes. Uh, I've, I can't think of the name right now, but uh, he was in an interview, an English language interview. Uh, I think it's called Let's Let's Letzte Runde, uh, Extra Runde. Sorry, uh, if you ever want to listen to a podcast, Extra Runde, Extra Runde, is uh, is really interesting. Most of them are in German, but uh, they do have English speaking uh podcasts as well and they're really fun they did an mm. interview with elvira they did an interview with Legride before and now they did one just before the olympics and he left a voice message after the olympics just to sort of follow up anyway um what i was going to say is that he noted he mentioned that Legride. he mentioned that this season was very different because last year nobody was expecting anything he didn't mm. really have expectations other than just being excited to be there and then this year you know it's hard to not expect anything if you if you're so close to the globe um so um yeah like i said i can see why this year was different and maybe not as good as he'd hoped so if we can see him do a bit better in the last two races especially Mm -hmm. in oslo that would be wonderful yeah one uh something uh good to go out on you know just like a a good memory to have to hold for the summertime and then get ready for next year yeah and sorry for being so long-winded no i i think it's a good shout out for a good podcast uh, moving over to the women, uh, a little bit less movement on that side, but um, you know, running top to bottom again, nobody will be surprised uh, with Marta Roisland and Elvira Weberg uh, holding on to the one and two spots. Tyrell Eckhoff coming all the way up uh, to number three, and 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 we'll get maybe get into this later, but I could have argued for her even higher. But uh, Denise Herman four, uh, Elvira, excuse me, uh, Dorothea Veer uh, fifth. 
uh, Annie uh, Chevalier Boucher in sixth, Justine Proze Boucher in seventh, Vanessa Bocht in eighth, followed by uh, Hannah Uberg, uh, Uberg in, in ninth, and then Len Person in tenth. Um, I, like I said, for me, um, I, I was very impressed by Tyrell Eikhoff, and, and I mm -hmm. could argue for her being higher just because, you know, we mentioned uh, earlier with, with Roysland uh, maybe not looking quite like her best uh, this weekend, and, and Eikhoff certainly, uh, you know, with a second place and a first place and shooting well and still has the ski speed. Uh, she looks a lot like the woman who won the world, the, the Crystal Globe last year. So, um, yes. You know, she she could easily overtake. Obviously, not in the in the Crystal Globe rankings. She's way too far away for that. But, uh, but but in the power rankings, she could end up at the uh, at the top spot at the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. And and I I would not be surprised if he actually had her in first already, considering the form she's in and and the shooting that she's shown. Um, I definitely think she's one of the higher favorites right now to uh, mm -hmm. to pull off a win and. Yeah, like you said, with Rosalind and Elvira, we may actually have to see how uh, if there's just a, a little slowdown at the end of the season, or if they can pick it up again in the next races. But uh, yeah, I mean, they they can they they all have a great chance of winning. So yes, yeah. so. should be fun. Uh, also, I, I just wanted to mention uh, Vanessa Vogt uh, coming in. She I had her in the in the eighth spot. Um, you know, she she is a terrific shooter. Has a little ways to go uh, with working on the ski speed, but I've just been very impressed with her this season. Um, and it seems like she just keeps getting just a little bit better every week. I mean, she went sixth in the sprint and I think 11th in the pursuit, or maybe I have that backwards, but I, she, another two very good finishes. And, and I, I really, I, she was nowhere on my radar scheme to start the year. And, and uh, now I, you know, if she's in the top 15, I'm, I'm not surprised in the least. Right. She's one of those outside uh contenders right mm -hmm. or you're not surprised if she doesn't get the top 10 but mm -hmm. you're also definitely not surprised if she does and um what i what i really what surprised me a little bit is that she was actually in some races in beijing she was one of the top skiers uh, uh, yeah where that, did that come from yeah so so it, she has it in her and mm -hmm. um i mean obviously you know she still needs to work on it to have some more consistency in that. But uh, we know her shooting is great. And she's had a few uh, times where it was a little less than what we expect from her, uh, fairly or not. But, uh, you know, she's shown that she can shoot clean or or, uh, mm -hmm. or shoot one or miss one out of 20, that kind of thing. So, yeah, finding that balance between, you know, getting, getting up in the ski speed and still having that shooting, she's uh, definitely somebody to keep an eye on. I, I don't know if I was joking about this on Twitter or just in my own head, but we should have her train with Elvira for a, for a summer and maybe they can rub off on each other. <laughs> yeah. That would be a dangerous combination. I know. Yeah. That's shooting and skiing speed. Yeah. yeah. But man, if she can, if she can develop some ski speed, then, then she, I don't know if she is going to be competitive with Elvira in the short term, but, but, you know, give her, you know, three or four seasons and you know, she might be up there, you know, in the, yeah. in the, the top five. That would be awesome to see. Yep. That's all I had. You want to move on to uh, our under the radar athlete of the week? Yeah, let's do it. Under the radar. Okay. And I'm just going to pull her up here. I actually did already, but uh, 
Yeah, so I thought we could chat a little bit about Jessica Yaslova. Um, on the Czech team, I think um, Davidova is the one that probably gets talked about the most and not undeservingly so, but uh, Yaslova has really impressed me this year. Um, she really stands out as, as a great shooter. And um, when you look at her numbers, she's, she's never been bad to start off with, but uh, this year her current shooting is 90%, prone 92% and standing 88%. And in the last couple of seasons, when you look at skiing in a percentage number, um, I'm assuming this is compared to the average. Uh, she was in 1819, she was 4%, so 4% slower than the average, then 1% in the next season, then 0%, so kind of average, and now she's 1% below uh, average. So her speed is still increasing and getting better. And, you know, with 90% with, uh, shooting, she can be a, another athlete that uh you know may surprise a few people she's not the youngest in the sense of uh that she's still you know battling for the blue bit but at only 27 and a lot of biathletes peaking in in the age range that she's getting into um mm -hmm. and and with the possibility of davidova uh retiring early she may be the new face of uh czech biathlete or uh, biathlon absolutely I, I really been impressed by her this year. I first noticed her back, um, you know, at the the close of the first trimester. I even mentioned her as one of the most improved uh, at that point of the season. And and you know, I, I I've just because of that, I've just kept checking in on her throughout the year, and and she just keeps plugging away. Like you said, she's just a, a great shooter, and and she's made just a a little bit of improvement to her skiing, you know, every year over the last three or four years, and. Um, uh, you know, this this past week, uh, she she finished. Um, uh, it was a twentieth in the sprint, but then you know bumped all the way up to the top ten with the with the pursuit. And you know, she's sort of becoming you know that way that uh, she can she can find her way into the top ten um, if she just gets a little bit faster, right? If she just 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 cuts a you know. A, a few more seconds off her time. I mean, she's she's not that far out from being, you know, very consistent. Um, right. You know, I'm looking, pulling up her 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 ski ranks per race, and you know, she's pretty. You know, looking back a couple seasons, she was pretty consistently in the you know ranking about 40th or 50th uh, in course time, and then this year she's kind of bumped her way up into the 20s and 30s. Um, you know, she can just get into the into the the 20s and teens um, with the way she shoots. She's you know, especially you look at uh, the pursuit race, she's going to be pretty dangerous. Right. And, uh, yeah. And, and I, I remember in the relay, she had a really like in Contralati, mm -hmm. she had a really good race too. Her, her team didn't do all too well with, uh, I think they had two penalty loops as a total, but a lot of misses. And, uh, I think she, she either shot clean or no, she had one mistake in the last, last shooting, but, uh, so one out of 20. Um, so yeah, no, she was doing well there too. And, yeah, it's one of those names that uh, just regularly starts popping up, and mm -hmm. um, it's uh, it's nice to see that, that you know another athlete from a. I think biathlon is is big in Czech Republic, but maybe Czech Republic yeah. is just not as known as countries like Norway and Germany and Sweden for biathlon. So uh, yeah, they don't have the yeah. the the big history that the you know those the traditional countries do, right? In terms mm -hmm. of like the the big the big successes, but. 
Oh, she's certainly getting there. Um, you know, with with or I guess they are getting there. You know, with Davidova has, has really been been up there, and obviously if she retires, but I think Kislova has a chance to. Um, I don't. Know, I don't want to say take Davidova's place, uh, but but sort of slide into that lead role as the as the the top check. Here. Yeah, and she has a lot of experience too, because uh, you know, twenty-seven, like I said, for biathlon is definitely not an old age. But she's gone uh, one hundred and twenty-five World Cup level races. She's been on the World Cup uh, since two thousand fourteen, and I'm I'm sure it's that's when she made her debut. Debut, so you know, not to say that she didn't go back to the IBU Cup in the meantime, but. Uh, 87 individual races, 38 team events. Like she's, she's been around and. Uh, yeah. And, and just, just for perspective, right. So uh, if you just look at her overall ranking, um, her best before the season and the, the overall rankings was 65th two years ago. Uh, last year she was 68th and this year right now, and this will probably improve actually the next couple of weeks, but right now she's 18th. Um, she is. In range, I mean, she could she can move up maybe one or two spots based on her her final uh, races. Just part of that being with with the Russian and Belarusian athletes not competing, but um, you know she she should be okay to finish in the top twenty, which is a huge improvement over you know sixty fifth, sixty eighth. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And uh, on real biathlon, if you look at her career stats and, and you go to the results per season. Uh, her top 40s, top 30s, top 20, and top 10 results all have uh, significantly increased. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we, uh, I, I definitely think that um, you know we'll, she'll she'll keep popping up, and if she can continue her improvements, then uh, you know she'll she hopefully get some some more top tens in the next season. Absolutely, uh, like you said, you look at her uh, her her best finishes ever, and they're. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five of her top six are this season. And even if you look, five of her top six, eight of her top ten. I mean, it's just they're all this season. So right. uh, she's, yeah, it's been, it's been a great year. And, and fingers crossed, this is just the tip of the iceberg. She's, uh, you mentioned this, but she's age 27. I mean, really, if you look at peak uh, years for, for athletes of, you know, like, uh, like biathletes, and she's just in that peak range. You know, she's got several yeah. more years. Um, where she could, she can improve her speed. It's a good one to keep an eye on for sure. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Let's move on to the up and coming athletes. Yes. Up and coming athletes. Um, And it's a bit of a different type of athlete this time. Uh, Stina Nielsen, she, uh, you know, she's obviously not young and up and coming in in the sense uh, that we've seen with other people that we had in this category. But uh, you know, she's only in her second season in the uh, the World Cup, uh-huh. and uh, obviously coming from the background as a top world uh, top of the world cross country skier uh, with uh, you know being world world champion uh, mm-hmm. in that so um it was a bit of a I, yeah it, i find it hard to, to how to see her because because she i mean and that's 
normal for somebody who's new to the sport, but she's she's kind of all over the place. And you can definitely see the moments, and you saw it with her bronze, her first mm -hmm. podium uh, last weekend, where um, where everything clicks. She has a ski speed. Um, it's actually a bit slower than I expected when she came on board, but yeah, it, it, uh, it proves again that skiing with a rifle on your back is uh, not quite the same as uh, skiing without. So... Mm -hmm. um, probably still a little bit getting used to and uh you know her her times in the range are definitely uh, something that she can still improve on but you see on a day where her shooting works works well that she can compete for the top spot so uh definitely an athlete that that i can see we would see more of in the uh in the future uh and next season and um I don't necessarily see her compete directly for the top of the Swedish women. Um, but, you know, we talked about the depth of the Swedish team. She's another mm -hmm. athlete that uh, they can, oh. they're at the point now where she can be added to the, uh, to the relay team, for example, and not really be a um, lesser component of that team. Yep. Totally agree. Um, I, really, I think we're we're in lockstep on this one. I, I when she made the jump based on her successes she had as a cross country skier, I uh, thought that she would be faster, quicker, if that makes sense. But mm -hmm. this this past weekend was the first time that she had been the fastest woman uh, in a in a race. Um, but like you said, skiing skiing with a rifle that's a little bit more difficult. Um, and then we also know that uh, it, it's all adding in the you know, adding in the shooting is a whole different skill, and and this weekend was a perfect example. You saw like the good and the bad. When she's yeah, she's good, yeah. she can compete. When she is not good on the range, it's going to look pretty ugly. Um, you know, you and I'm sure we'll 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 see that for a while still because that's oh, yeah. probably the hardest skill in biathlon uh, is not just shooting, but the consistency in shooting, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but so it's. I, it uh, is, like you said, she doesn't. She wouldn't hurt necessarily on the on the relay, right? And and the Swedish women now have what five, six women that they could consider putting on a relay at any given time, which is a great problem to have. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and, and uh, I think uh, in in on Twitter we we discuss her a little bit with with some other folks, and mm -hmm. um, I would say Stina is more of a or Stina Nielsen is more of an athlete where high risk, high reward, right? Yes. Like, if she has a great day, she can bring her team right to yeah. the top. If things don't work out, she might drop them to the middle of the field. Yeah. Where I think, you know, with the other options they have, there's probably a bit more consistency and safety. And then having the Obergs at the uh, in mm -hmm. the last two legs, you know, all you need to be is, you know, <laughs> yeah. in the you top ten and, and yeah. you're you're completely in it. So um yeah, you know, great, great addition to the team. And they did. They finally put her on a relay. I, I can't remember if it was Unholz or Repolding or, or where it was, but and she looked really good. Like she actually had a great leg, and and that mm -hmm. was sort of what clinched her being on the Olympic squad. And I thought that they might pull the trigger and put her in the relay. They obviously didn't, but um, I, I was expecting them to experiment with that a little bit more, um, maybe next year. But yeah, uh, it is certainly the you know a, a lineup with. Her and the the Oybergs and Lynn Person would definitely be your 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 top level. You know, if they are all hitting on all cylinders, that's your that's your best overall. It definitely has a higher or a lower floor, though. But yeah, 
I'm just looking at her uh, total hit rate and percentage. So I'm just ordering it by date, right? So yeah. uh, 70%, 90%, 60, 65, 90, 80, 75, 80, 80, 80, 65, 60. Like that, that's yeah. obviously something that she ne needs to work on still. But uh, yeah, even if she can get to the point where her consistent shooting is, is around the average. Yeah. Um, yeah. She know, 85%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if she can really, if she can just cut out those bad days. Mm-hmm. You know, just take those sixties and make them eighties. Yeah, but you know, I'll, I'll I'll say that goes for the majority of the athletes, oh. of course. But uh, yeah. not yeah, the majority of the athletes. Some of the, uh, have, I was sorry. just gonna say the majority of the athletes don't have her speed. That's true. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, still, I I think there's still potential for her to get even faster. Once she gets more comfortable, mm -hmm. and, and like I said, like um, being faster in the range is also something that is something mm -hmm. you can work on and that can still improve. Um, you know, the, it, I always struggle watching her spending probably twice as long, if not more, on just getting her poles back on. Yeah, um, and you know, obviously that's something that's completely new to her, and she has had a couple seasons to work on that now, but it's. Uh, those those are the the actions or the, the the movements that just you know other athletes in the in the biathlon world have done thousands and thousands of time, and uh, that's just going to take some time to uh, to become automatic. Yeah, and we talk about her like she's been around. I mean, she's been racing World Cup for a long time, but really, she's she's had what is it two full seasons now of biathlon? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, and I, I think it brings. Oh, sorry. No, I was just. Gonna, I, I still. I still have high hopes for for her potential. She's only twenty eight. You know, we just talked about uh, Jessica Yaslova, and, and she's twenty seven. and been racing biathlon a little bit longer, so um, yeah. I still think that she's got high high, high potential. Yeah, and I think another advantage for her is um, um, just having been at the top level in cross country skiing. So mm -hmm. she knows how to deal with pressure. She knows how to deal with you know, how, with the press and all the, all the things that come towards you when you're succeeding. Right. And, and I think a lot of younger athletes that, you know, maybe for the first time in their career have a bronze, well, maybe that will throw them off because they're just not used to that attention. And I think that was another thing that Legride was, was mm -hmm. talking about in his interview where all of a sudden everybody wants to talk to you and that's new where Stina Nielsen has, has gone through that already, be it in a different discipline uh, or different sport but uh she she's done that and uh i think somebody on twitter was also saying that she seemed so calm and relaxed in the in a press conference and i think that's one of the reasons she she's been there done that you know yeah, olympic gold medalist so she's this is a this is nothing new for her yeah so uh okay and then i think um we don't want to ignore the uh the the recent youth and junior world championships uh, in the U.S. in, uh, in Utah, Soldier Hollow. Um, I, I'll go a little bit forward in our podcast. Uh, I was hoping to do the stat of the week based on that, but uh, due to my uh, uh, family sickness, etc., I haven't gotten to that yet. So we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But um, I just, for now, brought up the uh, the table and the standings at the end of the. Uh, uh, the world championships there and it's it's a scary thought we talked about norway having no. you know top performers even at the ibu cup level and um they were top of the league 
in Soldier Hollow as well with a total of uh, 10 medals, but four golds, one silver and five bronze. Um, there was one country had more medals, which was Germany. And, and this is men and women or girls and mm -hmm. boys combined. Uh, they had 12 medals, but uh, two gold, five silver, five bronze. And uh, also interesting, we talked about Yuslova from the Czech Republic. Yes. And they were second in this table with three golds and one bronze for only, in quotes, four medals, but uh, three of them gold. So, um, yeah, a couple of things there where obviously Norway is proving that they're not just a top nation now, but it's it's something that goes very deep and uh their, their successes are are probably leading a lot of kids to uh, participate. So uh, they're reaping the benefits from that. And I think, you know, in Germany, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, having good athletes that are getting to that point of maybe not quite retiring yet, but at mm -hmm. the later stages of their career. So it's really nice to see that there's some uh, some new blood coming in from the, from the youth and uh, junior level teams. Yeah, I, I, I actually paid a lot of attention to, to both the, the Czech and the German teams because I was interested. I was thinking about uh, Davida retiring. And then I was thinking about the, um, you know, the, the German, the sort of the, the aging German talent and, and looking for who is going to be out there. And, and I think the Germans especially have a lot to be hopeful about. Um, there were a number of really good German women, um, that, you know, that had some, some good finishes. Um, I believe it was, uh, uh, Lisa uh, Spark, I believe, um, had a couple of, I think she was in the, the top five every race out there. Um, wow. you know, and she's, she's 21 years old. So, um, you know, maybe, uh, and she'll be maybe coming up into the, the IBU level, um, pretty actually she's been racing on the IBU cup. I apologize. Um, you know, but, but we could be seeing some more out of her recently or in the, in the near future. And then, um, I had also looked at, um, uh, from the from the Czech uh, you know, team, um, Teresa Forbonakova, um, who she's also 21, and she had two wins in the sprint, and then she backed it up in the pursuit, and she put that together with the third place in the in the individual. Um, so uh, pretty, you know, it's kind of pretty exciting for for the the Czech squad. You know, if they can add that to Yaslova, um, you know, in a, in a couple of years, they could have some something brewing. Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, some some nice young talent. Yeah, and and I'm actually looking down the list to France and Sweden. Uh, they had well, France had one gold, one silver, one bronze, and Sweden had one gold, one bronze. Um, so they're still, you know, in the in the top eight, mm -hmm. but, uh, just not quite near the top as the other uh, nations we mentioned. Italy up there as well in fourth. Yeah. So. Uh, and then I see Slovakia, not a, a nation we hear too much about. Um, Finland, top six. So, no. And did you see who else? Bulgaria. Yeah, an eleven spot, hey. Yeah, with one two silver, medals. one bronze. So did, did not expect to see that. And the nice thing is too that with the races now in North America, um, you know, I can see a nation like Norway where I'm not saying they're you know, super rich or by any means, but there's a lot more money in biathlon in Norway. Mm -hmm. And there's, mm -hmm. for example, in Bulgaria, I can imagine. So the fact that, you know, they were still able to send one or more athletes to, uh, to the States and, um, and actually succeed and, and have a silver and a bronze. That's uh, that's great to see. 
Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I will be honest. I don't know that I have. No, that's not true. Uh, uh, Todorov. I was going to say, could I name a Bulgarian biathlete off the top of my head? And uh, I, I struggled for a second, but I was able to do it. So go me. Um, no, I, the, the, I, I, the thing that, uh, you know, that stood out to me beyond those, those top numbers was actually the, the relative lack of Swedish men. Um, hmm. Just because, you know, we, we talk about the depth of the Swedish women's team. And so I was looking to see, you know, beyond Samuelson, who else is, is out there, you know, coming up. And, and I didn't see much. And uh, that's got to be a little bit concerning, I would think. Um, I, I, you know, maybe there's maybe it just wasn't a good performance tonight. I don't want to take too much away from one one particular race. But um, right. I, I just didn't see a lot uh, a lot out there. Yeah, and it, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know the details on their, uh, on their situation, but uh, yeah, I think even in the World Cup, you know, Samuelson mm-hmm. and Saloma are the, the two that, uh, yeah. that They're are really carrying. up there, and then there's a, a number Nellen and uh, Famling who I think have been around quite a bit. Yep, but not, and, uh, you know, uh, Famling had his, his, he tied his career best this week with a, with a ninth place, and yeah. Which is, you know, he's been he's been good. Don't get me wrong; he would beat the pants off me, but um, just not the depth that we've seen. Yeah, on the exactly. Side. Yeah, exactly. All right, shall we move on to the general topic? Let's do it. All right. Yodley. The general topic. Uh, so we did talk about her as one of the up and coming athletes, um, but I. And and we had some again interesting conversations on Twitter, uh, amongst others, with our friend from uh, from Poland, Justyna mm-hmm. um, Hype, and uh, there was a bit of a discussion around. You know, she she's had a bronze now, and all of a sudden she, it almost feels like she's all of a sudden the new queen of Swedish biathlon, and that's uh, yeah. you know it's not only unfair to her. Because I mean, she's not asking for that. Um, no, and she's so new to the sport. And yeah, we talked about her in depth. But yeah, she's going to be all over the place with her shooting at least for quite a while. But I think it's pretty unfair to uh, almost feel like they're writing off uh, Elvira and, and Hanna. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they maybe weren't as good as we would have hoped in the last uh, races in Contiolati. But uh, man, the potential of those two still and and let's not forget the other girls on the on that team um i think stina nielsen is a great addition and uh you know with with good potential for for the upcoming years but i think she's a little overhyped and uh, it makes for a nice story somebody a world champion coming to the an olympic champion on cross country skiing coming to biathlon but uh I feel like she's got a lot more to prove before she uh, she can live up to that to the status that she seems to be getting right now. And again, that's not her doing that. That's you know the experts or specialists or 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 news agencies that are writing about her and and putting it out there. But uh, seems a little bit early for me. I agree a hundred percent with everything you said. You know the uh, the fact that she's not out there hyping herself. She's not you know. You know, trying to she's not you know, trying to to build up more excitement. She's not not doing anything outrageous. 
Um, so it's not really fair to her, but also it's the, the you, you <laughs> we're talking about how, especially online, about how Elvira was being uh, overlooked. Hannah Oberg has been completely overlooked. You know, yeah. she's only 26. She's ranked fourth in the overall. And it's like she doesn't exist. I, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, I understand that maybe it wasn't, uh, you know, the season that some people hoped she might have, but she's fourth overall. I, I don't know that I would expect that much more. I mean, Royceland is having an amazing season and Elvira had a great one. And so, you know, maybe she would have been finished in third. I, I, I don't know. I, I am, I agree with, um, with, with what you're saying about, you know, people are going to jump after the shiny object and, and Stina is the shiny object and there's a lot of excitement about it. Um, I just hope that we don't forget about the people who have been really consistently good, you know, and, and, and don't forget to talk about them. Yeah. But also, I, I don't. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Like I said, I don't want to bash Stina Nielsen because she's not out there, you know, doing this. It's it's everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, and it, there was another uh, uh, article apparently from, and I, I'm not uh, remembering her name exactly, but it, it's a former mm-hmm. Swedish mm-hmm. biathlete um, who apparently was pretty harsh on uh, on the Swedish team and that their shooting was too inconsistent and bad and. Um, I don't know, like, obviously she knows what she's talking about being a former athlete, but I just think, you know, if you follow biathlon, you know that people go through these dips and that a yeah. situation like uh, uh, we're seeing with Quentin Firmier and, and Roisland is very uh, exceptional to to yeah. see this consistency throughout a whole season. And um, yeah, I'm sure that uh, Hannah was disappointed with her performance in, uh, in Beijing, but, um, you know, shit happens like it doesn't always go according to plan but does that make her an athlete that we can start writing off now definitely not like i can totally see her win a golden or sorry win a globe next next season the yes. overall globe like yep um when you just, list out who who we do expect to be in the contention for the globe next season uh you know uh you name Roysland, you name elvira you name hannah or hannah you know yeah. those the, the, be my top three uh, Alan Bekaba, if she's competing again, would be in that list as well. But, yeah. um, you know, Eikhoff I think those, maybe with a oh, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Would definitely be in, would be on my list as well. Uh, yeah. but I think that there's a, there's a separation amongst those top five, uh, from everybody else. Um, I, you know, I, as much as I it pains me, I don't, unless Hauser sort of, maybe she could be in the contention. I think we were sort mm-hmm. of on the wrong side of things, uh, you know, on the, uh, the age wise, but, um, and just appears to be a sort of more on the downside of her career. But, you know, I think that that's going to be it. Maybe Hannah Sola, if, uh, if she's there and she takes another, another step forward, but, but Hannah, Hannah Uberg is, Uberg is going to be right there in the mix. Yeah. And I mean, let's not forget the beginning of the season. She was like, yeah, you know, propelled by rockets. Like she yes. was flying. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the other funny thing I find with, uh, Hannah Oberg, because she's the older sister of Elvira, who's only 22, but because of her demeanor and, and her her successes and, um, you know, we, we I see her as a, you know, 25, 27-year-old, which makes me think that Hannah is like in her 30s. She's yeah. only 26. I know. The best is so still young. to come in, in most cases in biathlon, right? So 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, like I said, it's uh, great for Stina Nielsen to uh, to start seeing success, and uh, she deserves definitely to get some attention. But let's not take that away from from both Oberg sisters and also from the other athletes because uh, they have a bit more to uh, you know, bit more to show off at this stage. Yeah. I think uh, a little a little more hardware. Yeah. Um, you know, and not to put too much pressure on them, but there's the very real possibility that in the next couple of years there is a year where it is the two sisters competing for the overall crystal crystal globe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With with you look at the ages of some of their other top competitors and yeah. um I that that would not surprise me at all. Right. Yeah. So I think that's enough said, but uh yeah. Again, not to bash Tina because she's not the one Absolutely. out there doing yeah. it, right? No, this there's is, nothing it's, it's, nothing against yeah. her. Um, and then I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, uh, the relay for the women in Contiolati where, mm-hmm. you know, as we, as we alluded to in the, in the beginning of the podcast, Justine Breza-Boucher made a mistake of loading a magazine instead of her last spare. It seemed like she, she lost one of her spares while skiing around and, mm-hmm. um, probably in, well, that's what I'm getting into, but in panic mode decided, okay, well, I have bullets in my in my spare magazine, so I'll load that. Uh, I think she admitted to not knowing that was against the rules. Um, from what I read up in the rules, what she should have done after loading her two spares and realizing the third one was missing is to raise up her hand and then one of the coaches or the uh, uh, range safety officer can you know go to her and ask her what what's wrong and she can say i'm missing a spare bullet and they can pass her a bullet i think that's the official way to uh to deal with the situation um but what i wanted to talk about is uh i've, I've mentioned before there's a uh, a german podcast called double Zimmer. so that's mm-hmm. basically a double room um, based on the fact that Eric Lesser and Arn Pfeiffer used to or sorry Pfeiffer used to share a room a lot on the world cup <laughs> And they're still um, producing a podcast uh, every week or two. And they were talking about making mistakes. And, and let's not forget Eric Lesser still on the World Cup. Arndt Pfeiffer, uh, having been on the World Cup for a long time, just retired last year. So they know what they're talking about. And they they were talking about, you know, um, it's not unfair to to say, you know, it that she made an awful mistake and, and how can she do that? And because they say, you know, yes, it doesn't happen very often, but people make mistakes. And especially when you're you're frustrated by things not going the way you want to, or, mm-hmm. you know, you're just under a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. They were giving the example of, you know, losing count of your spare rounds. You, you think you already shot three, but you actually only shot two. Um, or when you do penalty loops, it's, you know, when you have one penalty loop, it's not that hard, but if you have four, <laughs> you know, by the time you've done two and you're still frustrated and then you're like, oh crap, what, what lap button am I, am I on? There's not somebody sitting in the, in the, in the stir, uh, the turn of the, the loop mm-hmm. telling you, okay, you have three more, two more, one more. You, you're expected to, to count that yourself. And actually, if you miss one, you get a 45 second penalty, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was really good to hear from, you know, an athlete and a former athlete um, that were very clear about, yeah, typically you don't make those mistakes, but stress and frustration impacts your brain. And we have to remember too, that, you know, these athletes are skiing at the top of their ability 
for a majority of the race. So they're pretty exhausted. And um, it's not that weird that sometimes things just go wrong. It's uh, really unfortunate. Obviously, uh, Justine Breda Boucher was, was very, very frustrated with herself after the race and uh, her team as well, just not at her, but just the fact that they lost the globe in the way mm -hmm. they did. But um, these are, you know, we're all human. We all make mistakes. And it's just unfortunate that it had an impact like this. Honestly, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. Um, yeah. Just, I know that knowing myself in a situation like that, especially I'm thinking, you know, if I, if I was in a race like this and I was in contention and then I have, you know, three misses or something like that and I have to do three penalty loops, like I would be a, a loop and a half in, but, you know, just internally yelling at myself. Absolutely, you know, and, yeah. and I would absolutely lose count. The fact that they don't lose count all the time is, is sort of remarkable. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, she probably, she might not have been thinking about it uh, or she might've been like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and just slapped in, you know, what she had, right. And just mm -hmm. didn't even, you know, just didn't consider, oh, you know, I, I, I need to do something else to get, to get another bullet. I just, yeah. It's, well, uh, that doesn't happen very often too, right? Exactly. So it's, right? it's something that, yeah, they can, they can train for it, but you know, how often do you practice with, Absolutely. You know, let's shoot a relay, um, but we only take two spare bullets. Like that's just not very common. And and a lot of the activity or handling of the gun and stuff is all automatic. So maybe, like you said, it was just like, oh, new bullet. Let's put a magazine in. And uh, exactly, yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Really it's 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 surprising that it it doesn't happen more often. And uh, you know, I'm a total noob in biathlon, um, but. I have had many times already where I'm shooting my five shots, no spares or anything. And after the fourth shot, I'm like, huh, do I have another bullet or am I done? Yeah. Like it just happens a lot. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not exhausted by the time I'm lying on that mat. Mm -hmm. I mean, I also haven't practiced thousands and thousands of hours, but I'm, I'm not surprised that these things just happen every now and then. Absolutely. Well, and you see it in other sports too, you know, uh, or these things that happen so rarely when they happen, you're al almost more impressed when somebody knows the rules mm -hmm. for those rare circumstances. Right. You kind of wonder like how on earth did they know, you know, I, I would have been almost more impressed had she known to raise a hand, you know, because right. she's probably never knew that that was even a thing that could happen. Yeah. Well, and it, it was, was it just before the Olympics that we had a relay with, um, yeah. The Swedish guy was it Femling or it was Femling, yeah. Who shot? Who crossfired? Which is not super uncommon, but then the confusion by I think it was Anderson about mm -hmm. okay, well, what do we do? And yes. there is a clear rule about it, but it seemed like not Anderson. It wasn't just Anderson who was unclear what to do. Like it seemed like whoever was behind him in the shooting range, like coaches or or mm -hmm. the, the range officer. It didn't seem like he got a lot of clarity from them either. No, it, he. It seemed like it was a a, lo a relatively long conversation before he was able to start racing again. Yeah, um, and you know, I know that they ended up giving him two minutes back or giving the relay team two minutes back, but that was a uh, yeah. It, it, these these things don't happen that commonly, and no. like I said, I, I would have been almost more impressed had she known exactly what to do. Yeah, and just for clarity, I I know that. 
um, officially coaches are not allowed to talk to their athletes. So mm. I think Anderson was just um, talking to the, uh, the, range the range official. Got it. Yeah. Um, but I think coaches can walk up to him and say, here's another spare bullet or whatever it is that, that mm -hmm. was missing. Sure. Um, so I uh, just wanted to clarify that because otherwise they could say, oh, the guy that just left had two misses or, or provide information or say you need to go two clicks up after looking through the scope. Yeah, so that's, that's the main reason why they're uh, not allowed to communicate. Makes sense. Um, last general topic. Uh, some more information about retirements. Absolutely. So I think we mentioned Ader before. I wasn't sure. I just saw a video on the Austrian team, but it seems like it's been confirmed that this is his last season. Uh, it's, uh, it's a sad moment. Yeah. We knew it was going to come eventually, but um, yeah. it's going to be hard to not see him out there anymore. Yeah, and again, I still see him as one of the people that made such an impact on the shooting with mm -hmm. the fact that um, he was one of the first people who just started rapid firing. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not saying he invented it or, or was the actual first, but he was one of the, the better athletes who started doing it. And I think he, he raised the standards for everybody else to say, yeah, I may not be perfect every time, but I'm going to shoot fast. And if, if I hit them, then you better come after me. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, I think that, uh, and again, at, at 39, still competing, still at a 10th spot in uh, in Contiolati. Like, man, that's Pretty so unreal. impressive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, I don't remember if we mentioned it last time, but officially we are uh, we're saying goodbye to the, the best beard on, on the World <laughs> Cup. Yeah. Uh, Benny Baker is, is going to be leaving us. Um, and then we mentioned earlier, um, Eric Lesser, of course, is is racing his last few races as well yeah and and i mean they're all like benny beard will be missed ader will be missed and eric lesser will be missed but uh i just really liked uh, the personality of eric lesser he was mm -hmm. he was so much more than just a biathlete um he seemed to have a smile on his face most of the time um you know, we had the event with uh, with Lachipov, who was uh, yes. uh, infected yeah. by COVID, and where Lesser contacted him and said, "You know, you want my bike, you want my gear. Let me know what I can do to help you." Um, he he's always very considerate on a social level, and don't mean necessarily social media, but um, I know he seemed to struggle quite a bit with uh, the the whole situation of do athletes go to to China with the you know mm -hmm. the, the human rights issues. Yep. Um, that were discussed and you know he was he seemed to really struggle with the fact that he just couldn't speak up there just because it wouldn't just affect him but it would affect his team mm -hmm. um and um he recently shared his well basically gave access of his um instagram account to a biathlete from ukraine for a day just to uh for her to share um you know what's actually happening on the ground um, which it was interesting because the uh, the situation around Lachipov, I think he said he got like over a thousand new followers from Russia. And mm -hmm. after he shared the Instagram account with the Ukrainian athlete, I think he lost about a third of it, um, you know, which, you know, we went through this. So uh, let's not yeah. waste too much time on that. But um, um, I, I, yeah, I would I just, encourage everyone to, to go check it out, though. I think it was it was a really neat thing that he did. And, and yeah. Uh, 
I think it was it was important for me to see, you know, from the eyes of somebody in Ukraine, you know, mm -hmm. what's going on. Yeah. And I think he, uh, I don't know if we'll see much of him because uh, I think one of the reasons he uh, he wants to retire and not wait for uh, Oberhof is uh, he just wants to spend the time with his family and uh, and uh, it sounds like sort of make up for all the time that he wasn't able to spend with his family. So I, I I'm not sure that. if we'll see him in uh, in biathlon anytime soon. But yeah. uh, maybe uh, Art Pfeiffer, who's one of the uh, the anal analysts on the German TV, and obviously close to uh, to Eric, uh, maybe he can persuade him to uh, to come on the TV sometimes with some uh, some good information from an athlete's perspective. That'd be yeah, fun to see. Can certainly keep the podcast going. Absolutely, because we know you can do it from anywhere. Yeah, and and I haven't heard anything about them stopping anytime soon. So it's it, it's really unfortunate that that, that it's not in English because. Uh, I think it would be f great to uh, to follow for for everybody who doesn't speak mm -hmm. German. But uh, I'll try to do my best to uh, to summarize what I hear on there if uh, if it's anything uh, interesting to share. Uh, we appreciate you. It, it, one last retirement piece of information looks like uh, uh, Ekhoff said in a interview recently. She didn't commit one way or the other, but uh, seemed to indicate that she will be continuing to race at the very least next year. Didn't nice. say anything about Italy, but um, you know, did did seem to that that she will be back at least next year, and maybe the maybe we'll maybe we she run makes another run at the Olympics. I don't know, but um, it'll be nice at least to have her around for at least one more year. Absolutely, yeah, no, for sure. Okay, um, it's getting a pretty long one, and and as I alluded to, the uh, the work that I typically do for the stat of the week has. Uh, Unfortunately, not really happened yet. I've, I've dabbled a, a bit with the data, but definitely not to a point where I have much to share. So I'm going to suggest that we'll uh, we'll skip the stat of the week topic uh, for this week, and um, I'll I'll make sure that I have uh, a lot of information to talk about in the next episode. How does does that sound good to you? That sounds excellent. Okay. Yeah, this is a this is a big one. We had a lot to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. Last thing you, uh, anything that stood out from Contiolati for you that you uh, want to bring up or? Honestly, we, we talked about it before, but having fans back was, was. Yes, I was thinking exactly the same thing. It was more important to me than I realized. Not that it's necessarily more important, but it was just really nice. It, yeah. it is it, we're not there, of course, but just having them there on the grounds and, and hearing them cheering and, and that is, they add something to the, to the whole experience that. Um, it's, it's just more fun. It's more fun. I'm sure for the athletes as well. Um, yes. Yeah. Especially the, the home country athletes, but, um, just for everybody, just having them out there and, and cheering. So, um, yeah, it was really nice to see. So, so the, uh, the broadcasters actually said that it, it could impact the, the shooting performances of a number of athletes because they're just Ooh. so not used to hearing the crowd anymore. Well, that's interesting. Uh, so they said maybe it will take a little bit of time to get used to, but um, yeah, uh, as, yeah. Assuming that Otpay will uh, have a crowd as well, I can only imagine what a gong show that's going to be for having their first, <laughs> first, uh, you know, event there. And I think oh, they yeah. had some in the IBU Cup, but uh, the first World Cup event, and obviously people are probably looking for some positive highlights. I mean, obviously they're very close yeah. to. Uh, 
to Ukraine and Belarus and, and uh, mm -hmm. Russia. So hopefully we can see a, a wonderful event and uh, with with nobody missing because of COVID. Absolutely. And uh, and then after that, going to I'm sure a great atmosphere in Oslo. Yeah, I uh, you know it's going to be. Uh, I think Oslo is going to be really fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they're they're always good, and like you mentioned earlier, two years away, uh, they're going to be ready for it. Absolutely. And if if the uh, the race is there uh, for cross country skiing. Um, Tell mm -hmm. me anything. It's yeah. It's gonna be nuts. So yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Okay, man. Nice to catch up and uh, and do this. And uh, thanks to all our listeners for uh, for listening in. And Absolutely. So thanks for all the people that uh, take the time to chat with us on on Twitter. Uh, really appreciate it, and a lot of fun and interesting conversations and. Uh, it's Absolutely. always good to to hear different opinions and different perspectives on on things. So, mm -hmm. if uh, any of our listeners have any uh, things they uh, they want to chat with us about on Twitter, that'd be highly appreciated. And I'll, I'll throw out this actually. So, I'm right now I'm working on youth and junior uh, biathlon data for the stat of the week. But if there's any listeners out there yeah. who have ideas or thoughts about what they uh, would want the next stats of the week to be about. Uh, I'm very open to uh, discussing ideas, so fire me a tweet, and uh, we'll see if we can uh, make it happen. Well, I'm going to I'm going to throw this out there too. It is unfortunate and it's sad, but the end of the season is coming up soon. Um, I know that uh, we had talked about continuing the podcast periodically during the off season. If anybody has anything that they would like to hear more about uh, in the off season, any topics they want us to talk about, um, send them our way. Uh, Absolutely. I'd be really curious. You know, we have a couple of ideas already, but uh, you know, I, I seriously, uh, if you have anything you want to hear about, let us know. Um, uh, we'd be excited to, to dive in. Absolutely. And if any athletes are listening, yes, uh, we're always Absolutely. open to. We have we have a couple of guests sort of lined up already, but uh, yeah, any sure. uh, any athletes that are interested to have a chat with us, more than welcome to, and be super exciting to to have you on. Yeah, we promise we'll be nice. We won't bite. What's that? I said we won't bite. Yeah. Well, it's all virtual, virtual so, biting. So, yeah. Softball questions only. We promise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, all man. Right. Take care. Let's get out of here. Bye. Okay. Bye, bye. Okay.